Undoing the Common Podcast. This is background noise from Undoing, a podcast about entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs, and by entrepreneurs. And because we're bootstrappers too, we skip the expensive mics and sound studios and keep the conversations real, raw, and uncut, complete with all the noises. For this episode, I cautiously ventured outdoors into the wild to visit Trevor and Karina Huggins of 521 Roasters, just one member of Calgary's growing roasting fraternity. So grab a cuppa and hang out. This is Background. Roasters is the second small batch coffee roasting company we've featured in our podcast, celebrating Calgary's amazing entrepreneurial community. Here's the irony, both 521 and Calgary Heritage Roasting Company, featured in episode two, are both the vision of firefighters. Must be their comfort level with heat. For the first time since February, I left my home to conduct the interview. I was starving for some background noise that didn't include digital hiccups. Trevor and Karina Huggins welcomed me into their garage, half of which has been retrofitted into, you guessed it, a coffee roasting facility. There, sacks of beans from all over the world surround the roaster, where Trevor spins his magic, while inching towards perfecting his craft with every batch. We'll settle into that conversation in a few minutes, but first, Mark Boivin and I go toe-to-toe, well, as much as you can in a Zoom call, to break down the unique journey and lessons learned from 521 Roasters. Mark, I felt like a free man driving across town last week to conduct this interview. It was liberating beyond belief. I felt like I had just been released from time served. You're probably used to that feeling, right? <laughs> With the time served part? <laughs> yeah, that, that time served. Well, I was a little concerned when I saw the, the fact that you had gone and gone somewhere physically um, worried about that six feet and the message we're sending or whatever but it sounds like you kept an appropriate distance maybe just slightly under six feet slightly over actually sorry slightly over that's you right do the 521 calculation right you know it was interesting because trevor huggins who i spoke with along with his wife karina owners of 521 roasters is a firefighter as you will have known, having listened to the interview, and he was the one that offered the invitation. And I said, well, you know, I don't know, six feet. And he goes, oh, no, we've, we've considered that. We've got plenty of room. So off I went. And it was fantastic and good people, as I'm sure you gathered. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always interesting to hear stories. And, you know, so much of what we talk about is stories, but so much of what's compelling about business is the story behind it. It is really interesting just to sort of see where people come and what they take from either adversity or what they take from opportunity. Both are kind of really, and I think they, they did a bit of both actually. So I, I think the thing that was compelling for me in the interview was just this idea of intention. And Living intentionally is, is an easy thing to say. It's an easy thing to throw up on Instagram. It's an easy uh, you know, screenshot that you can use and background you can use on Facebook. But the idea of intention, I think, is the thing that I think to take away from this podcast and to what they say. It's not just about living intentionally being this obtuse thing. There is an intention to things. There's an intention to the way they structure their mornings and their coffees and they talk about things. But that intention, the intention to, to want to do something, it's, it's built into strategy. It's built into a lot of stuff we hear in business. So that's the thing that compels me. And, and ironically enough, it's, 
it's a lot, it's, you know, it's over a lot of their communications. It's on their website. They, you see it with some of their quotes on Instagram and stuff, but that idea of intention, I think is the thing to, to take away from this is be intentional in what you do have a, have a real intention because so then your story makes sense with what you do. Don't try to fit things in because you think it's going to look good. Have an intention and then let that flow. It's amazing when you listen to them speak about the ritual of the morning coffee and how that really truly does set the agenda and the tone and tempo for their day. I don't know about you, Mark. When I have my morning coffee, it's pretty much shot back as quickly as uh, the temperature will allow me to do it just to get things going. But when I hear people talk about the morning coffee the way they do, it makes me, it just makes me want to take more time and be a little bit more, as you say, intentional and reflective and to use that moment to hit the pause button and just to outline your day and, and set the tone and the mood for what you're going to be like for that day. Yeah. And I think, Ironically enough as well, this is the time when we have all of this time. We're still not doing those sorts of things. We're still stuck in our routines and ways of doing things. And there is a ritual aspect to coffee and that process and the social aspect. If you look at other parts of the world, how coffee is treated, it's treated in a much more social way, interactive way, reflective way than us consuming it, gobbling it down as we drive off to work or whatever. But we don't have all those places to go to anymore. So this is the time to think about that. And so for a company to have that message, but also to live and breathe it by how they became the company, live and breathe it by what they do themselves, planning out their every day, but also just in what they're doing with what's happening around them and the, the work that they do and the ideas they get to help. So that, I think, is a really positive message, a really um, hopeful one and a, a one that I think will resonate right now. And, you know, it's not it's not going to age at all because that is a lot of the things that we should be doing, whether we are quote unquote, at, you know, at home and quarantine or self-isolation or whatever to when we're, you know, we're slowly released and go out there. So it's a, it's a really engaging and really compelling uh, podcast. And you hear it from Trevor as well, who's uh, he's sort of the coffee geek in the family and Karina's more of the communications person. You hear it in his words, in his voice, but being able to look him in the eye as he was telling the story about his intention use your word again, to literally come face-to-face in a handshake over a coffee with some of these farmers in these faraway places of the world. And I said, are you serious? Is this something you really aspire to do? You know, I felt like just this cynical, grumpy old man asking that kind of a question. This guy who runs this little coffee roastery wants to defy all of the barriers and the myths and the middlemen and so on and one day come face to face with the people who supply him with his coffee beans but again there shows that intention to live up to what you started the company for how you want to grow it or a goal or aspiration that you have so when we're dealing with such unstructured times and such uncertain times and nobody knows the answer to when this is going to happen when this starts up who goes first what happens next anything else the fact is is that having that sense of intention to what you do. That's what you can control. And I think that's what people should take away from it is we all have that ability to do that, whether it be intermixed with a coffee or just this idea of being intentional in what you do, live and breathe 
your values live and breathe who you are and and it'll just you know it'll work itself from there rather than you know a lot of other easy quick fixes that we think about this is one that i think can overlay itself in all our lives so yeah it's good shall we hit the play button let's do it i'm trevor huggins i am the owner of 521 roasters we roast uh coffee within our garage here in calgary uh and i'm also a full-time firefighter uh, my name's Karina Huggins. I am Trevor's wife, and I am kind of behind the scenes on our online activity and marketing and keeping everybody in line, I guess. The expert. The expert <laughs> I'm, I'm the online geek, and then Trevor yes. roasts the coffee. This is our first on-site podcast interview in about two months. We've been sequestered to basements and Zoom calls, so thank you guys for allowing me into your space here. For, for anybody who's listening that's wondering how we're doing this... Can you guys confirm that we're a good yeah. six we're, feet apart? We're sitting, Trevor and I are sitting on yeah. coffee bags. He's like five feet, 21 inches away from us. Yeah, yes. right? you know, pretty much. You know, I love, two, two grocery cut lengths. Yeah, yeah. I love that you started there because that's as good a place to start as any is. Where, where does this name come from and what the hell does it have to do with coffee? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So um, just over three years ago, my dad passed away and um, he was in the grocery industry for over 40 years and he obviously was around a lot of the community each day and people are always curious on how tall he was so he got a bit unique in a sense with coming up with a new answer and he would tell him that they were that he was five feet 21 inches um so we're now carrying that on in his legacy and um and he passed away right when we were getting the coffee company all set up too we kind of got hit with a bunch of things there was that fire in fort mcmurray and so trevor's family were his sister actually was up there and he went up there to fight the fire and then while he was fighting the fire his dad actually got medevaced home from a cruise and then put on life support down here so it was a very crazy year where you know we had a newborn Mm -hmm. we had a two-year-old we had a newborn trevor's dad passed away my mom had just passed away yeah yeah it was just like 521 roses was like born in the fire of that year but it's been one of the greatest things that happened out of that year so that's fascinating that's a deeper story than i would have thought so thanks for sharing yeah now let's get to the backstory behind the um the why and the how of becoming this small batch roastery yeah, so I was, I'm going to go back to the days that I worked in 911 dispatch. I just always had a passion for keeping people caffeinated when I worked there. Um, and every morning when we started our shift, we'd get rolling and uh, my managers would allow me to collect coffees for everybody on the floor. And that's where really it all kind of started. Um, so then I would go to the, you know, the coffee shop and I would grab 15, 20 coffees for everybody and bring them back. And I was just happy to start my day with everyone that I was working with, with a nice cup of coffee. And then from there, I was wandering around in Bed Bath & Beyond, which most guys do. (laughs) And I had been poking around on the internet about like coffee roasting and whirly pops. And that's kind of where it all started was I started with a stovetop popcorn maker and smoked out the house, I don't know how many times, many, with many times. the roasting process in the, in the kitchen. And um, from there, it just grew naturally with um, a small one-pound roaster in the basement to all of a sudden, one day someone said, why don't you, why don't you sell this? Like, I would 
pay for this. There's no need for you to be buying this coffee and just giving it away. And um, that's where it all started was we had a young family at the time and I was spending every evening in the basement, Monday to Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. We still have no quit. But I just said to Karina, like, what do you think we should do like with this next step? Would you be open to having a bigger roaster in the garage if I can make something work and started to drum up some drawings and talk to the city of Calgary about kind of if this was an option available which is extremely rare here in Calgary and um, we went through all the, the process with Alberta Health Services and also the city of Calgary and we were able to come together on having this roastery in here so it's been over two years that we've had the the coffee roaster in here um, but yeah, it's been a great, great journey along the way and um, met some fantastic roasters here in Calgary and the, the community just keeps getting stronger and stronger on this local movement about everything that we're going through. And here on an otherwise um, everyday looking street inside this garage is this little factory yeah. that you guys have built. There must be a great sense of pride when you kind of open up that door and and see stacks of unroasted and roasted beans and packaged beans and you got look what you built it must yeah. feel pretty good it's it's awesome yeah, it's pretty cool yeah and it's like even getting this place built so we had you know a buddy who does like contracting he came and helped and then each of like so many of the guys on the job have different trades right there's electricians hvac plumbers and trevor every day would have one of the guys in the fire department with his trade here doing each and everything like we had a whole crew of people just stopping in and contributing their part and it's a real cool community effort and then it's just cool being in a neighborhood right there's been so many days where i've come home with the kids and you know trevor's standing in the garage and there's like the local dad with his kid in a stroller chatting and just catching up and yeah has the street embraced the brand like yeah, they, we were you have a, a loyal we legion of yeah. consumers right here yeah we've always been an open book we've always checked in with our neighbors we've mm -hmm. provided them with batches of coffee um you know you got to kind of keep them happy to carry your names, um, yeah. yeah you got to just kind of watch out for each other but we always have an open door policy with everybody that um we live beside and i think it's important to include everybody in it so if we could share the love and educate a little bit of people about what coffee is and what it's all about it's endless and uh, it's been good so far I'd like to go back to that point because there's this proliferation of small batch roasteries. It's sort of like, um, without being in either industry, but I see a parallel between craft beer, you know, over the last five to ten years and coffee now. They're just popping up everywhere. So I got kind of a two-pronged question, and it goes to the heart of entrepreneurialism. What problem does small batch roastery coffee solve? And specifically, what is it that 521 solves as a producer of that product? So, yeah, I agree with you. We're craft beer drinkers, too. And I think the big thing, I think they call it the third wave. Essentially, our approach is that we're casual people, we're family people, we like to have fun. And I think it's very easy to get very fancy in the coffee world and start getting it's almost like wine right wine can be really intimidating and i think for us as people who really love coffee you know we wanted to have a company where you know yeah we have those well-known coffee blends for example brazil is known around the world colombia is known around the world but 
I think what we give is like a safe, fun, playful way to go from the coffees you used to and start traveling the world through your senses and moving over to Africa and trying the fruits and the florals and um, the whole piece with being a small batch artisanal roaster is, and Trevor can get more into the specifics of this, but every single batch that we roast, we hand sign every single one of those bags. We see the beans going into every single one of those bags and by staying small, it's a very conscious decision because, you know, we live in this world where everybody wants to expand infinitely. But I think by controlling your expansion and the rate of growth and, you know, how much you want to scale, you really are doing it at a speed that allows you to retain the quality of customer service. That's a really important one for Trevor as well. He said all along like 521 roasters like we're on the dms giving people recommendations and you know laughing with them about tastes they're picking up and i think that way of doing business is to some extent i think it got lost in the second wave of coffees the second wave was the big corporations right the starbucks the you know tim hortons all of that you lost that personalized touch and we're seeing this return to community we're seeing this return to local we're seeing this return to you know just finer experiences instead of just chugging a cup of coffee down in the morning it's more about the intention behind it the routine the ritual what you want to do with your day and how is drinking a cup of coffee a little ritual in that piece along the way i never felt that entrepreneurship was something that i was gonna end up doing but I felt having a family and showing our kids that we always wanted to continue learning. Um, and coffee is one of the best things in the world, in my opinion, that you can jump into as much as you want and gain as much knowledge about what coffee is and where it comes from and what it's, you know, what are the people behind the coffee essentially, right? So then we also want to be, we want to travel the world with our family as well. Mm, that's a big goal of us. Right, So we want to start gaining relationships with farmers in different parts around the world so that our kids can go down there and be a part of their farm. And You paint a picture of something that almost sounds surreal, the coffee industry being as big as it is. And again, with little knowledge, I can only imagine the layers of intermediaries between a farm and this humble little garage on the corner of a street in Parkland. Put that into perspective. How realistic and achievable is that relationship with a coffee farmer in some faraway corner of the world? I think through this whole journey is is all about building relationships. And I think knowing the source of where our coffee is coming from and um, getting our hands dirty and, and seeing what, what it takes to pick cherries off a, a shrub daily is um, something that we, we really want to believe in and learning and doing um so those relationships between farm to cup are absolutely essential to us yeah just to add to that and you've probably seen this with a lot of the entrepreneurs that you've interviewed is that you know there is when somebody decides to become an entrepreneur there's the passion obviously for the product or the service that you're providing and then obviously people do want to make a living but i think you're seeing you know, this real movement towards intentional living where people are designing and thinking about the life they want to be living in five years and 10 years. And 
last year we made a conscious decision to go into markets so sea space market farmers and makers markets around the town and so many people were like man you guys are crazy you have three kids why are you going to do this and it stems back to we moved to Kauai and spent a month surfing with the kids we had a newborn baby like three under four at the time and we went to the local farmers markets and just watched the people behind the stalls and yeah having those relationships and those community and the people behind the stalls at the farmers market yeah they were there to sell a product to make money but there's this entire element of lifestyle we wrote on a paper napkin and we were just figuring out like what do we want our life to look like and we realized when the market opportunities came out last summer that the life that we were thinking about could be achieved by being at those markets and you know wandering around meeting people from different cultures and learning new things and just having fun and exposing our kids to as many different people as possible yeah and i think even adding to what karina just mentioned as well is uh from my perspective it was a matter of just jumping in there and learning the business mm. we just firmly believe that if you take every opportunity that is that you're comfortable with and and learn steps along the way and you always keep that open mindset of um building relationships and learning i feel like you can pretty much attack anything the barriers of entry to this space are relatively low so what is 521's point of difference in separating you from the others. Coffee is coffee. Like we, every city we go to, even in Calgary, we drive around and buy coffee from, you know, all of the people that sell coffee in this city and any city we go to. And it's just a really enjoyable experience. If you like the taste of coffee, every single different company there is here has a different nuance to the beans. And I think as you go further in your coffee journey, you come to know the nuances. I think one thing we really care about because we're a small batch roaster is a lot of the time we're literally roasting to prepare for deliveries. So we're as fresh as it gets. But um, the bigger meaning behind this, and I think what you said is interesting about the barriers to entry. There's, yeah, there's lower financial barriers to entry and lower logistical barriers to entry. But I think psychologically, any entry into a marketplace, whether you're a brewer or a coffee roaster, there is a big psychological barrier. You have to really love what you do and love the product and what you believe in to make it through bagging coffee till two in the morning, you know, dealing with upset customers, having a day where the fan in the roaster goes and you've got about 20 orders to go out and to overcome that psychological barrier to entry and what differentiates us is but this is the case with any brand there's a statement and a mission statement behind it and ours is living with intention and you know i don't mean to be grim or anything but we've pulled two parents off of life support in the last five years and we've had conversations with them before their death about what it means to live a life worth living and what we find is it's too easy to get caught up in a life where you're going through the motions and everything's automated. And all of a sudden you turn around and you're, you know, 45 and your kids are growing up and you think, where did all that time go? And so every time Trevor comes off a shift. So and this started with, you know, when we had to take his dad off life support, he comes off of every single shift. We sit on that couch in our living room with a cup of coffee we debrief on the previous day, the previous shift, especially if stuff happened, because we're very aware that PTSD and those kinds of things happen in this line of work. 
and we say, what would make today great? What do I want to learn about today? And we have this list of things we go through. And I think a whole mission with this, because what we say is fueling intention, is we hope that people will take the time to sit and have a coffee and not just mindlessly chug a coffee to wake up and get some energy, but think about in that moment where they have some peace about what they want to do moving forward in that day to make their life move towards where they want it to go. Can you grind or roast that feeling into a bag? <laughs> because it's a, it's, it's a yeah. marvelous yeah. outlook. Yeah. But, and I love it as a differentiation. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I'm as, as a pragmatist and as a, as an entrepreneur yeah. marketer myself, I'm I'm struggling here with capturing that in a in this case in a pouch, but you know, mm-hmm, bottle mm-hmm. in a box, you know, whatever. Yeah. Can people taste intention? Maybe that's the best way to put that question. Mm. I don't think they're gonna when they rip open the pouch, they're mostly thinking about how amazing the coffee smells. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, you're not pouring intention into a cup when you open the coffee, but I think the act of sitting and having a coffee, like it's a, it's a noisy world right now. You would notice this with the internet. I feel like everybody's just shouting at each other right now and you truly don't get to know who you are and what you want to do in a bunch of noise and a bunch of distraction. You get to know what you want from this life and where you want to go from not having distraction and taking a moment just to slow down and sit. You know, some people do it by hopping on a mountain bike and going out to the mountains. Other people, I don't know, bugger off to their cabin somewhere. Yeah, other people go out to the roastery and roast coffee. Trevor does that. Yeah, so I mean, I think, I don't know how to spell out this this answer. I I think it's such a, I think starting your day right and with a good cup of coffee is exactly what we want the the community to embrace and if we also want, always want to be there for them so it's a funny i think too and if you talk to any first responder i think there's just this heightened awareness of mortality because every day that you go to work you like there's someone who got into their car that day and was not expecting to be in a major multi-vehicle crash that day you know what i mean so we're hyper aware of the fact that things can change really quick because there's a point when you start a business where you're like super passionate and we still have loads of passion towards it but when you get at a certain point within your business um, your customers will help guide your business and if you're willing to listen to them you're going to do some pretty cool and special things right now we've got the coffee and donut campaign and it's been an experience we've it's taken us by surprise. We thought here we have, you know, ten half dozen th- boxes of donuts, and as of today, we've sold 89 boxes of donuts in less than a week. We launched this campaign Wednesday last week. Today is Tuesday. So, the community is this. The local love has been amazing, and if you're willing to try new things, and 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 you're gonna have failures along the way, 100%. But as long as you, like Karina said, keep those lines of communication open at all times, and listen to the customer, I think you've got some pretty good things. And then we have some Mother's Day campaigns that we're starting to to poke around. But I think right now, really want to band together with local companies and to gain that support from the community that everyone's embracing. Because we're shaping the economy and, you know, like a year's time, is Amazon going to take over or is local business going to grow from where it was before all this stuff broke Mm -hmm. out? I think 
as consumers, we have the ability to vote with our dollars right now and shape what's going to be in a year's time in this economy. Without getting too far down in the detail, just and for the, for the benefit of me and anyone listening that doesn't really know the process, what is the journey that a, a bag or a sack of beans takes from these faraway places? I'm sitting in your garage here. I see sacks from Brazil and Colombia, and you mentioned Rwanda earlier on. How does it get here and... What are some of the complexities involved in that that you didn't foresee? I think I remember in university like 15 years ago in like an anthropology class that we watched some kind of documentary on coffee and it was like the number of middlemen ranged from 15 to 30 at that time. Mm -hmm. And to be able to drop those numbers down significantly, I think more money goes into the pocket of farmers. And... It just, Trev and I, it bugs us when we don't know. Like, if we're buying a bag of coffee, we kind of want to know. Like, what, you know, what are they, are they spraying their crops? Who's the family? Do they take care of their employees? Like, there's all these pieces. And then, you know, if it's a cooperative of 200 to 2,000 families, what are they doing with the profits? And all along, I think a big piece for us has just been, you know, having a benchmark of, like, are they progressive in some way and each one of these coffees we bought in like there was something about the story and that specific cooperative of pharma we liked it takes anywhere like if we're bringing in a new coffee it takes about a month for us to hit where we're happy with it before it goes into bags right so um there's a process with that with cupping coffees you mentioned that earlier on about the learning and so on what kinds of things do you do you notice now in your experience and would you like to become more astute in when you're when you're roasting? You, you said that sometimes it takes you forever to hit on the right, just the right process. So what I do is I put cold beans into a hot drum. That hot drum, it's my job to get the drum speed, the heat and the airflow all combined together so that it keeps that roasting process. We're going to call it rolling forward and then we have something here it's called a trier so when we get to a point where we're in a roast where we've reached first crack that's when I really don't like pulling this out throughout the roasting process this trier but um, I will take samples out of the roast at certain points and I can mark it on my computer program at the same time and I'll dump that into cupping cups and we can mark each of those cups and then come up with a flavor profile that we're happy with that specific region. That happens with, and I'm throwing random numbers out there, but I'm sure it's fairly accurate, but we roast 12 different regions, including decaffeinated coffee, which we are currently sold out of. We, um, we're in the process of trying to get shipment on a new type of decaf, but we also have Yemeni coffee here too. This stuff, before it even leaves the country, has to go through over 30 30 checkpoints. But yeah, so the process for cupping and flavoring coffees is a, is a lengthy one. There's a lot of factors that come into place. Um, the altitude that the coffee's grown at, the soil that it's used, the region that it's grown in, the type of shrub that it's grown on, um, and the way that it was fermented to exported to roasted. roasted right? So, and I get to play with all that, right? And people are supporting it we every day wake up and yeah every morning we're like holy shit other people actually enjoy drinking these beans we roasted it still makes us shake our heads yeah because we go back to the point of starting your day with a positive 
and ending it with a positive. The fact that people are willing to start their day with a good cup of coffee with us is pretty pretty cool. And the fun of it is because of that roast process and like the triangle of things, variables you can control on that confusion program, a bag of Peruvian beans from five different roasters, you will have that profile that's known in the country, but every roaster can take that profile a different way depending on their style of doing that. 200, 200 plus different ways that you could augment a coffee bean from just one coffee bean. So let's say we take it to a local roaster and here, try this coffee and we're going to roast it as well and then let's come together and try this. That's happening. That's happening yeah. way more nowadays than it used to. It used to be a huge secret. And we're slowly starting to bridge those gaps, which is kind of kind of special. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get some pushback and I've talked to some fantastic roasters here in Calgary and most of them have embraced it. Um, Mike and Jamie from Calgary Heritage are fantastic guys. They're doing some pretty cool stuff, and um, you know, they're they're people that we've talked to about teaching us about the whole process that they're going through. They've been on the journey longer than we have, and we've just kind of been uh, casually going about it. But there's a slice of the pie for everybody. It's not you know trade secrets, and I'm sure there are people who still do it, but it's not trade secrets in competition anymore. There's a lot more of like. You know, open sharing and yeah. What are the biggest learnings that you've had in this? Um, and let's just go back a year because I think that's kind of officially when you launched and started seeing your product on shelves. Um, biggest learning, challenge-wise, and the biggest learning, victory or triumph-wise. For me, balance. The challenge. Yeah, I would say balance is a challenge. You know, I think coming home from work full-time and and balancing and making sure that your kids are taken care of with activities and then meanwhile managing the roastery at the same time um i think that that's kind of been the hurdle for us because we've always preached that we've always kind of gone about having that balance so you're an entrepreneur what would you like to tell current or prospective entrepreneurs about the process that will make it worth their while? I think the biggest thing for me would be patience. Is making sure that when you start to gain those relationships, value those relationships, and always have patience. You know, provide them, talk to them. Just make sure you check in and take care of them. Uh, Support. Support one another. Whether it's a local customer or a larger customer, always make those phone calls, especially during these times. Um, that customer service of just making that phone call and saying, hey, how are you doing, goes so much further. And just always have patience. Know that people's businesses are going to change. And just be ready for it. It's such a new world with online marketing and technology and it keeps changing all the time and I feel like I've been given the coolest sandbox to play in. We started out online. Um, it's still, like, obviously right now, it's we were in a good position with the COVID happening. Um, and it's been really fun to, you know, think about all these different techniques and strategies, whether online engagement, and play with them and test them out and then look at the analytics on our Shopify store. So I think... We've done really well as an online brand because we take age-old human principles of communicating and following up and checking in with people. And, you know, um, when they come onto our Instagram, they experience 
our mission, which is living intentionally. And we're people that don't take ourselves too seriously. Like we make people laugh. We show that on our Instagram and people respond to how you make them feel. And it's true in human life offline and it's true online as well. So I think that's been a big victory for us. Um, and I would say, yeah, the challenge, I think the challenge is balance. I mean, you remove when you're in a nine to five and I speak as somebody who made the leap six months ago, leaving, you know, a well-paid academic job and coming into entrepreneurship. I was triple tell you, I was super on the fence. Like I grilled him pretty hard on the pros and cons. Um, moving from that, you lose the very clear distinction of getting into your car, going to an office, driving home, getting out your car and walking into your house. You don't have that anymore. There's a lot of gray zone. And as a, you know, like passionate protector of family life and quality time, I was very worried about that. Um, and we're managing to work around that. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know, feed people bullshit and say that it's easy. But we've learned to, if we can't, you know, keep clear lines between family and work, then we're at least going to fuse the two in a way that works well. For example, Trevor went up to Airdrie to do deliveries the other day because we're seeing growing demand in that area. And it was also a day where Trevor had all three kids. So he packed them up in the car, took the bikes, and made an incredible day out of riding through puddles between deliveries. And I think it's been a challenge, but that's going to turn into a victory as we continue to do that. I mean, we all come from a generation where our parents would go to work, and it was a mystery to us. It was like, ooh, they get in their car in a business suit and go to work, and I wonder what they do. And you just know their title, but that's it. I think that's changing quite a bit. Can you grow this? And while keeping grounded in that intentional living. You said you wanted to take over the world. And I understand the sentiment in which that was stated, but to be big in, in any anyone's connotation means either having to cut bait on some principles or having to hire more people and thereby letting go of some of those principles or letting go of control of some of those principles. There's... I guess it's easy to contain all of that in this little room here when it's really the two of you and you mentioned a partner. But ultimately, you want people to love your brand. You want more people to buy it, drink more of it, tell more people about it. And suddenly, boom, you know, you, you're now with two roasters going 24-7 and you've got more people. Can all that be done while maintaining the living an intentional life credo? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like... I really hope I nail this answer, but I feel like along this journey, there were steps that I personally recognized that I had to defeat or get over. So for me, teaching someone my passion on roasting was a hurdle for me. Teaching someone on how to organize deliveries was another hurdle. These are some of the things that I didn't learn. I had to just jump in and, and, and do. So along this journey, I think no matter how big I want to grow this company or how far I want to take it, if I'm willing to communicate with Karina myself and reach out to others to help build this opportunity that we have out there, I think you can pretty much do anything, but you have to be willing to listen and take the lead. I come from your side of things. I am not a risk taker. I'm very risk averse. And I specifically, 
over the course of a year stressed a lot over you know our income and you know when I was going to make the leap and there was a threshold in terms of our revenue that I had to hit before I felt comfortable like with the risk and my tolerance is a bit lower than the average person um, I think a really important distinction too is that we do have the luxury of still having well Trevor has a full-time job and I think when you make business decisions that aren't entirely dependent on an income, you're able to make your decisions in line with integrity and your values. I think that, you know, if it was our only source of income right now, we would probably have to make some decisions that were about revenue as opposed to, you know, business activities that line up with like specific goals we have. And then in terms of scaling, I think it really, like Trevor said, you know, a big thing for him has been working on the delegation piece and, you know, the scaling piece. And he's been doing a ton of research into scaling up. I think the rate of scaling and the speed at which we do it is something we have to be mindful of because at every stage of expansion, there's new new and more awesome problems, but you have to be able to tackle them. I think where we see a lot of, you know, tragic stories and more difficult stories about company scaling is because in each of those scaling stages, there were inherent steps and things to be addressed that weren't. And I think that's something we're going to be really careful with going forward. And yeah, I mean, Trevor, Trevor loves this and loves the entrepreneurial game and the sky's the limit. And I think we don't specifically have a goal size or an end goal. Like he says that in good humor, the take over the wall thing, but I don't know. I think each stage we get to, we pause and take a week or two to really evaluate and see what we're at. And even this year, last year was a product. It was all about building, working like within the business. And this year we're having to work on the business because we're in a new stage with a partner and, you know, different business models. I can't wait to look to see what we're going to talk about in the next year or two because I feel like we'll be talking about something else. Let's talk about in five years. I always like to play this at the end of the interview. So I'd like to ask you guys what you would think, what you would hope people would think about 521. For you to be able to define success, what would people say about you? Hmm. And you don't have to dream up a tagline. That's not what I'm looking for. It's, oh, yeah, they're the coffee company that blank. Mm-hmm. It's never about the coffee cup on its own, like – Every one of us has a memory of like the best coffee we've ever had. And I can think right now of a photo I put on Instagram last year and it was sitting on a balcony in Fernie and we just finished mountain biking that day and we were sitting drinking a cup of coffee on like the patio with like clouds over the mountains. And I want people, I actually care more that people are using our coffee as a leverage point to finally doing the shit they want to do in their lives. And that all of our social media and our online presence has inspired them to basically like have a copy and get up off their asses and go do the life they want to do, whether that's, you know, going for a bike ride that day or, you know, executing on a dream they have. That's, that's what I'm about. I think the biggest thing too, like just adding to the relationships that we're building on, I want to be able to connect with those. I'm just going to keep coming back to connecting with those local farmers I think in two to five years time, we'll have some really good relationships under our under our arms where we can tell an a even better story about what our coffee is all about and educating. I think a lot of when someone's going to sit back and say, oh yeah, that's 521 Roasters, they deliver their coffee fresh and it's really good. Um, 
I want people to know too that we provided them with a little bit of education as well about what coffee is and where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some pretty cool people out there in this world that make that cup of coffee for us every day and um, I think that's important. And I know you're not programmed to think this way, but from a business standpoint, is there an opportunity there? Is there an unmet need where you could be the one out of all of these small, large, medium-sized roasters that actually did the grunt work to create personal attachments to these singular farmers and farming families? Is there, is there an opportunity there? Is everyone just so caught up getting stuff to, to market that they're overlooking that still, and you could be the leader there. I feel like, yes, absolutely. There's there's endless amounts of opportunity when you're starting to gain those relationships, and we've been influenced by a larger company out of the States as of recent. So, um, yes, there's a huge opportunity out there to provide coffee to the communities and education as well. I want everyone to know about setting their day right and living intentionally about over a cup of coffee all right i'm good you guys good yeah thanks for thanks for your support and thank you for coming down i know that this has been kind of a bit of a challenge for us to kind of get together and we've been working on this for what david about eight months no it's been more than that i think so through this um yeah thanks for coming down to our little abode and a little sad that you didn't ride your Harley down here because I was looking forward to seeing it because that was going to be my next question to ask Karina about something that has two wheels that rips around town. But yeah, maybe another time in two years when you come back. Trevor and Karina Huggins of 521 Roasters. I have a confession. Having consumed 521's Peruvian blend, I think I'm becoming a coffee snob. You can find out more on Instagram or on their website. Just look up 521 Roasters, the word 5, the number 21. Stay safe and healthy, and thanks for making us your background noise. It means a lot.